Hallelujah. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. And if we were, then we was. And if we was, we am. <laughs> Might not be proper English, but it makes sense, right? You're healed, Fred. Hallelujah. Totally restored. Totally restored. I'm even declaring everything that things that had to have been removed. Hallelujah. There'd be, there'd be new things there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Not lacking anything. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Mm, God is faithful. Well, welcome to Wednesday night. If you're, you're visiting, we do corporate prayer for about 30 minutes. And then it's also like Bible school. We get into the Word and, and teach the Word. And, you know, the proverb says, In all thy getting, get understanding. Why? Because understanding produces results. It's not just knowing about something, not just having an idea about something, but, but as, a, as a teacher, as a pastor, my heart is for us to understand things. Matthew chapter 13 um, gives us a great insight. It's, it's one of the parables that Jesus is telling, and he tells about the, the parable of the sower. And he talks about how if we have ears to hear and, and eyes to see and a heart to understand... It said that we would be able to operate in 30, 60, and 100 fold. See, all this has to do with the word. The sower sows the word. So the parable of the sower had to do, has to do with the word. So it gives a great description. I even encourage you to go back to in January. I actually ministered along this because it said if we could hear and see and understand that we would operate in more abundance. So for me, if I realize that there might be lack in my area in a certain area, then it's not that I'm, I'm just needing to not having to earn something from God, but it's like, I need more understanding. I need, I need more understanding. I need wisdom is the principal thing. So wisdom comes and then I have wisdom. And if I gain understanding, then understanding gives me the ability to apply the wisdom. So a lot of times we have wisdom. We might know what the word says about some, we know this, but, but sometimes that the word should also, also direct our lives and how we make decisions and make things in the practical in our everyday life. Amen. So because the word of God is to take our lives higher. And that's what Wednesday nights uh, are all about for me. Um, and what really our heart is for you, for our lives to go higher. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19 and uh, Annette talked about this. I uh, used this scripture last week, and I, I want to go here, and then we'll, um, just the Lord just ministering. This is not necessarily necessarily about revival, but um, I believe it is a key principle that brings about revival. But I, I want to, uh, you can also turn to Third John as well, Third John. You have your phones ready, your iPads ready, your paper ready, your Bibles ready. Amen. Because this is God speaking to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let me find Third John as well. Thank you, Father. Okay, so Luke 19, verse 11 said, And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They thought, they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. You know, sometimes we, we want, we want things and we want things now. (laughs) You know, when God, why God, (laughs) we want them to immediately appear, (laughs) Like, <laughs> abracadabra, bam, there it is. And that's really the understanding of what the disciples were saying is, is Jesus, we've been following Jesus and, and all these things are happening. We're just wanting something to immediately change, immediately happen. I, I am grateful for suddenlies. Annette and I, we've experienced suddenlies in our lives and I'm grateful for those times. But sometimes things may have not happened immediately as I wanted them to happen. I guess hopefully we're not the only ones. But then he tells them a parable. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman. It's interesting. Jesus, he always tells a story. (laughs) He tells a story. And he's like, well, there's a nobleman that went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and, 
and to, and to return. And he called his ten servants. The ten servants would be kind of like the ones that were believing for immediately to ha- things to happen. And he delivered ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. Say, Occupy till I come. So the question is, when things aren't happening immediately, my question to you and I tonight is, are you still occupying even though things may have not changed? Are you still occupying? You know, Annette used some definitions last week. One was to take territory. One uh, definition is to engage. It means to be active. It means to be busy. Not busy for busy's sake, but busy with purpose. Now let's go to 3 John. 3 John. And I'm going to read verse 1. Now just this with the the thought of occupy. Verse 1 says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, who I love in the truth, or I truly love, he could say it that way, He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So we're hearing hearing not just John's heart for this person, this this well-beloved Gaius, but we we know the scripture is, it says all scripture is God-breathed and inspired by God. We're hearing the heart of God. So, so, so John is speaking the heart of God, not just to him, but he's speaking to you and I. And he's saying that I wish above all things, I wish above all things that thou would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You, you need to settle that in your heart and settle that in your life that it is God's will for you to be in health and prosper. Now, it's interesting here. He says that you may, above all things, that you may prosper and be in health. But it's it's not just be in health and that's it. He says that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Now, meaning, meaning my, my prosperity and my health is going to be in direct and portion to as my soul is prospering. My, as my soul is prospering. Then he says this. He says, for I rejoice greatly. The Amplified says, in fact, I greatly rejoice when some of the brethren from time to time arrived and spoke so highly of the sincerity and fidelity of your life. As indeed you do live in the truth. You live in the truth. You live in the truth the whole gospel presents. And he says, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my spiritual children are living. Say living. Living. It says living their lives in the truth. Now, let me go back to the King James in verse three. Now, this is all after he said that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And then he says this, for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and they testified They testified of the truth. When you testify of something, you are giving firsthand information. When you testify of something, you're not giving hearsay. You're not giving someone else's opinion, but you're giving something that you know. It's like I've, I've got to know Pastor Phil and Diane, and I can testify of their character and their integrity. Their love for people, their love for each other, their love for their family. I can speak firsthand of that. So that's really what what John is is saying here. He says, I I can, they testify. It says, they testify of the truth that is in thee. Now get this, even as thou walkest in the truth. So they're testifying about how they're seeing these people's lives how they're seeing these people walk. Now, Nikki, come here for a moment. Now, I looked up this word, walkest, <laughs> W-A-L-K-E-S-T, and it's interesting in this Hebrew word that I want you to read right here, and this is from the Strong's definition, so uh, just start reading here of what this word, walkest, means. 
to tread all around, walk at large, especially as proof of ability. Figuratively, it means to live, deport oneself, follow as a companion or votary, to go, be occupied with, walk about. Okay, so this word walk, thank you, Nikki. This word walketh, I want her to read it so it's not just I'm trying to fit something to my message, okay? That this word walk, walk part of this word in the, in, in the, in the Greek is to, is to be occupied with. So what is he saying? He goes, he goes, I'm testifying to the truth. They testify to the truth that is in thee, even as you're occupied with the truth. They're occupied with it. The, the Amplified says you're living this life in the truth, meaning this is a part of your life. It's not something that you mental assent to, but you're occupying with this truth. So when Jesus is talking to them in Luke chapter, he's telling this parable, he says, occupy till I come. Engage yourself, occupy, engage yourself, be busy, be active, be, be occupied with something. And then he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are occupying with the truth, that they're walking in the truth. You see, you're either going to be occupied by something or you're going to be preoccupied with something. To be occupied means to be engaged, to be active or busy, but to be preoccupied is to be concerned with something else. It means to be distracted. It means giving one's attention elsewhere. Giving your attention elsewhere. So either, he, what is he saying? He's saying, I know that they're, you're walking in the truth. You're occupied with the truth. So therefore, if they're occupied with the truth, then they're not distracted by deceit, deception. Right? They're, they're not, if, if I'm occupied with truth, that means I'm not preoccupied with deception. So, so as your pastor, I, I, some of the things that we're doing, whether it's Sunday or on Wednesday, is, is fortifying our faith for living in the last days. Fortifying our faith to live in a, in, a, in a world that is shaken. Or you could say living unshaken in a shaken world. So it's all going to be, are we walking in the truth? It's, are we being occupied with the truth? Now, there was another definition here in the, in the, in the, in the Strong's, in what she read. And one of the things she said, as a companion or a votary. I had no clue what a votary was. Does anyone else know what a votary is? Anyone? English major, a votary. This is what a votary is. And this is the picture that it gives. And it's this. One that has made a vow of dedication to a religious service. And here's another definition for votary. Addicted to a particular pursuit. Addicted to a particular pursuit. So now we look at this word walk in the truth. It's, it's also a votary. And it means that this, these people that are walking in the truth, that they are addicted to a particular pursuit. They are, they have made a vow of dedication to a religious service. Do do, do you see, do you see what I'm, do you hear what I'm saying this evening? That, that we are, we are to be occupied with the truth. Now let's go to John chapter 8. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just by being in here or just by listening to a message, you have to understand whether you see it or not, your life is going to another level. Hallelujah. Because the word of God is the key for all change. It is the key for freedom. It's the key to success. That you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And how, would, how were their soul going to prosper? It was going to be established upon them being occupied with the truth. So as they would be occupied with the truth, it would cause their soul to prosper. And if their soul prospers, then they would prosper and be in health. <laughs> Amen. The word will affect every part of your life. Spirit, soul, and body. John chapter 8. Now, John chapter 8 was written by who? Trick question, right. Some of you are like, ah. 
<laughs> yeah, Juan. It was written by Juan. It was written by St. John. It was written by John, who was also the one that wrote Third John. <laughs> so yes, it's just like Bible school. You see, some of you did not even know that, did you? No. Now you do. So you have to understand, this is coming, this is coming from the, the same person that wrote Third John. And so look at John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those disciples which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So getting, being saved is not what makes you a disciple. There's a lot of believers that have never stepped into becoming a disciple. For one, pride gets in the way. <laughs> Number two, being a, being a disciple is, can be inconvenient. So just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a disciple. If you, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So it's this continuing in the word. So you could say continuing in the word could be just like being occupied with the truth. I hear, I testify of this and hear that you are walking in the truth, that you're occupied with the truth. So here he says, I continue in, continue in my word, then you will be my disciples indeed, and what, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So if I'm occupied with the word, if I'm continue, continuing with the word, then I'm not preoccupied by the world. So my answer, my answer to the question of what I'm occupied with either will determine my bondages or my freedom. Because it says here, if, I, if, if you know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If I know the truth, if I know the truth, that means I have personal knowledge. I'm acquainted with the truth. That truth will make me free. So if I'm preoccupied by the world or I'm occupied the, by the word, it is going to reveal whether I'm operating with bondages or I'm operating in freedom. So if I'm preoccupied, if I'm occupied with the word, then according to that, then that lets me know that I'm opening myself up for freedom. But yet if I'm preoccupied with something else, if I'm walking with something else, if I'm pursuing something else, then what happens is, is, is I'm not putting myself in position to be free. So the word will always be the foundation for your freedom. There's not, you, you, you can't, you can't tell Pastor Justin and, and say, yeah, but. Well, yeah, but they did this to me. Yeah, but I, I've had that happen. Yeah, but my mom, yeah, but. No, you, you have to understand that the seat for your freedom will always be in the word. Because if it's not in the word, then your yeah, but is just having you being preoccupied with yeah, but. And not being preoccupied with the word. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. Thank you, Father. Verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days says the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and I will write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor <clears throat> and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. All shall know me from the least to the greatest. God's desire. You say, well, what, what's God's purpose for my life? 
If you ask that question, well, what's God's purpose for my life? Right here. All shall know me. What's, what's the purpose for your children? All shall know me. What's, what's, what's the purpose for our nation? All shall know me. From the least to the greatest. You see, he wants you to be walking in the truth. He wants, he wants us continuing the truth. And he wants us all to know him. That's, that's his heartbeat. That's his desire. And so with this scripture, it lets me know that, 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 I, that I can know him for myself. I can know him for myself. It's, I, I'm so grateful that, that, that I, I don't have to, have to go to a priest to pardon me of my sins. I'm so grateful that, that, I, that Jesus had been my mediator. I, I'm so grateful that he is my go-between, that I can come boldly to the throne of grace and make my request made note unto him. I'm so grateful that I can know him for myself, that I, Justin, can know him myself. That you can know him for yourself. That's what he wants us to be occupied with. And we know him, we know him through, through the word. And there's so many things that, that, that I believe that we could, we could bring out this evening about walking in the truth, about being occupied with him till he comes. Being prepared and ready and, and how to live in these days. It's, it, it all begins when we establish that question. He just wants us to know him. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, for the sake of time, we'll do verse 11. And he says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Kind of sounds like they're saying, kind of like, um, be occupied. Be busy. Engage. Show, show the diligence. Then he says, that you be not slothful. Don't be, la- don't be lazy, but Followers. Of them, be followers, be imitators. Don't be, don't be slothful, but be imitators of them who, through faith and patience, inherit the promise. Hallelujah. Don't be slothful, but be imitators of them who, through faith and patience, inherited the promise. Thank you, Father. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. Faith and show the same diligence and assurance of hope unto the end. Don't be slothful. Don't be slothful, but be imitators of those. So, so get a picture. Follow those that went before us. Follow those that within Scripture and how they lived their life. That how they inherited the promise in their life through faith and patience. Through faith and patience. That's being occupied. Occupying. Let's go to Hebrews chapter eleven. That was, my, that was my introduction. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 11. So it says, be follower of those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. I don't know about you, but I want to inherit every promise. Amen. Amen. And one of those promises, what all shall know, know me, from the least to the greatest. Thank you, Father. Still want to get ahead of myself, ahead of where we need to go. Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, just for a moment, just a reminder of Third John. What did John say? That they would testify of the, of the truth, right? That they, would, that they were walking in the truth. So, I, so here they got testimony. What was testimony again? 
See, if you're on trial, then what is a witness required to do? Give a testimony. And so what is that? They're going to give the truth that they know. So here, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. So it wasn't just his testimony, but it was all those that were around Enoch. It was people were testifying about this man Enoch, that how Enoch was weird. Enoch was this crazy man that he would just go off walking with God. And he would speak with God. And they had this testimony. So by faith, Enoch was translated. They did not see death. They couldn't find his body. Why? Because he had this testimony that he pleased God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He pleased God. Then what, let's look at verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God, he that comes to God, must believe that he is. Come to God, must believe that he is. Must come to God, and must believe that he is. So, so here, if, if, if God is on the, the stage over here, and, and God is right there, then when I come to God, I must believe that he is. If I come to God and I, and th- this is where God is, and I come to God, then, then what ha- what's happening? I'm being occupied. I'm being occupied with where he is. So, so really, what, what are we seeing Enoch do? We're seeing that Enoch was occupied with something. Enoch was occupied with walking with God. He was occupied. This was the testimony about his life. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And what? That God is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. That's being occupied with something. Being occupied with something. So what did Hebrews 6 say? It said, be followers of those who through faith and patience, they inherited a promise. Now we're seeing someone live by faith. They were occupied with God. He was translated and it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? He that comes to God, be occupied with God, must believe that he is. And what? That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He walked with God. What did Third John tell us? They were walking in the truth. Walking, occupied with the truth. So for the remainder 10 minutes or so, maybe 10 minutes, I want us to, I want us to really open our hearts with this understanding of walking with God. Because Ultimately, walking with God, Enoch walked with God, and it said that he is a rewarder of them that diligently walk with him, diligently seek him. You could say diligently walk after him. Yes, it's, it's, it's relationship, but it's not relationship in, in name only, it's fellowship. See, you can, you can walk down the aisle and the, 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 the government can give you a, a license and declare that you have a civil legal relationship, but that doesn't mean you have a thriving relationship. So you may wear the name, name Christian and have a relationship by a label, but do you have fellowship? Are you occupied with fellowship or just interested in a distant relationship. So that's, this, is, this is where we start seeing results in our lives. And this is where we start seeing, seeing uh, being able to, God use us in ways we've never been used. When we step out of just a head knowledge of relationship. And we get into what relationship is, fellowship is. Because that's how Enoch became success, successful in God. It was being occupied with God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And there's no way I can do a complete teaching in the the time that we have this evening. Genesis 
Thank you, Father. You look at anyone that did anything great for God, you're, you're going you're gonna to see this aspect of fellowship. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 in the Amplified says this. Actually, verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the history of the generations of Noah. The history. So you could say this is his story. This is Noah's his story. This is the history of the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and a righteous man, blameless in his evil generation. And Noah walked, I love the Amplified, it says, in habitual fellowship with God. King James says, Noah walked with God. Noah walked in habitual, the Hebrew word here for walk here is a continual. A continual. So that's why Amplified says, it's in habitual fellowship with God. And we can see through that habitual fellowship with God. On the other side, that it caused him to build an ark. Saved his family. Caused the, the blessing to come upon him. This fellowship. There's something about this walking with God that will cause you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Let me show you another example. Let's go to Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Genesis 24. You know this story here... Abraham sends out his servant to go look for a wife for his son, Isaac. And, and the servant's like, well, I'm supposed to just to go so-and-so, and you, you want me to tell him that, hey, I'm looking for a woman, <laughs> looking for a wife for my master? And so he's trying to play this out all in his head, and, and this, you, can, you can capture this starting in verse 32, but for the sake of verse 40, when he finally comes in, in contact and he sees this, he sees this uh, young girl and he goes to the father and he says this. And, and I love this. In ver actually, verse 39, he says, And I said unto my master, peradventure, the woman will not follow me. So he told Abraham, well, what if the woman's not going to come with me? So he's now telling this to the father. He says, and he said to me, the Lord before whom I walk. So this is what Abraham told, Isaac, told his servant. The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son and my kindred and my, and my, of my father's house. So what did, the, what did the servant tell this guy? He goes, Abraham, whom, who, Lord, whom my Abraham walks before. That's what Abraham told him. Lord, before whom I walk will send his angel and prosper thy way. So he's told his servant, he goes, I walk before God. And because I walk before God, God's going to prosper your way. Abraham, when he finally got occupied with God, his whole life changed. Let's go to uh, Genesis 48. Genesis 48. This is Jacob, he's blessing Joseph's sons. Verse 15 says, And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, did walk. Did what? Walk. The God which fed me all my life long unto this day. Wow. And he said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. So not only he's saying, he goes, not only was it my father, not only was it my grandfather, but all my life he's fed me to this day. 
But what do we see in common? We see they walked. We see this aspect of fellowship, walking with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And I'll start closing with this. Like I said, there's so many different directions we could go and unpack in this. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. That we're occupied with the truth. What is occupying with the truth? It's fellowship with God. Yeah. Just in that scripture in Luke chapter 19, they were immediately waiting to appear, but what is he... What is Jesus tells a parable and he tells them, occupy till I come. What does he, what does he really ultimately want to do? To fellowship with God. Fellowship with him. Be engaged with him. Second Timothy chapter 1. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, I, I, what I found in my life, or read this, what I found in my life, is a lot of times I've, I've done, I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> you know, had different perceptions of the word, different perceptions of a walk of life of faith. And, you know, it's, it's not found in memorizing scriptures. It's, but it's understand my purpose for getting to scriptures is not to be able to quote a scripture, but it's to know him. Very, very few times have I ever sat down to try to re- memorize any scripture. I just, I just want him. I want a fellowship with him. And real faith comes from knowing the person. R- real faith isn't about... Do I know the principle? Do I know the, know the steps? Do I know A, B, C, D, and E? Real, genuine faith comes, behind, comes from knowing the person behind the principles. The person of the principles. It's knowing the person. Fall in love with the person. Don't, don't try to like, I just try to gain more faith. Just get to know him. I had a Bible instructor years ago saying, you know, and I'd say, how do you get more faith? And then they kind of laughed for a moment and, and they were like, you don't, Justin, you don't have a lack of faith. You have a lack of the revelation of God's love for you. And so, so, so fall in love with him. It's not about knowing all the ins and outs and all the, all those things will come. If you feel like you're called into ministry and God's got a call upon your life, it's don't try to figure out all the steps and how to get to it. Just get to know him. And I'm telling you, you will find, you will wind up right in the middle of where you're supposed to be. When you walk with him and you're occupied with the truth. So second Timothy verse 11, the King James says this, he says, Whereunto I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. You know, I love he didn't say, I know what I believe. He says, I know whom I believe. I know who I believe. I know whom I have believed. And then he says, this, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And then he says this, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ. That good thing, which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwells in us. Now, let me read this in the Amplified. He says, for the proclaiming of this gospel, I was appointed and herald a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. And this is why I'm suffering as I do. Still I'm not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed. Adhered to and trusted and relied on. And I'm positively persuaded. 
that he is able to guard and keep that which I've entrusted to him. Entrusted to him, which I've committed to him until that day. If you committed to something, if, you, if, if Annette's committed her heart to me, as long as we're on this earth, then what happens? She is, she is occupied with something. What do we see the Apostle Paul? I've, that's what I've entrusted to you, I've entrusted to me, which I've committed to him until this, unto this day. I'm, I'm entrusted to this. I'm occupied with this. And then he says this, hold fast. If you're holding fast to something, you're occupied with something. Hold fast and follow the pattern of wholesome and sound teaching. That sounds like being occupied with the truth. Which you've heard from me. In all the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And then verse 14 says, guard and keep. That sounds like occupy to me. Guard and keep. If you're guarding and keeping something, what? You're, you're, you're protecting something. If you're preoccupied, you're distracted, you can't guard it. And I'm telling you, too often in my life, I've been preoccupied and been distracted. And because I've been distracted, I haven't been guarding. He says, guard and keep with the greatest care the precious and excellently adapted truth. <laughs> I love this. Guard, I love the word of God. I just, I, I just, just bear with me. Guard and keep with the greatest care the precious and excellent adapted truth. And it sounds like walking in the truth. Which has been entrusted to you by the help of the Holy Spirit who makes his home in us. Wow. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Holding to this truth. Occupied with the truth. This is walking with him. Hallelujah. And I'll close with this. First John. First John. Chapter 1, which is the same one that wrote 3 John, <laughs> and which is the same one that wrote John chapter 8. Thank you, Father. I'm going to read in the Amplified in 1 John chapter 1. He says, we're writing about the word of life. The word of life. In him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our eyes. Man, he heard, they heard him. They saw him with their own eyes. Whom we have gazed upon for ourselves. And we have touched with our own hands. That's fellowship. Wow. We heard him. We saw him. We gazed upon him. And we touched him with our hands. You can't get any closer than that. <laughs> Verse 2 says, In the life, an aspect of his being was revealed and made manifest and demonstrated when we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying, <laughs> testifying to and declaring to you the life, the eternal life in him who already existed with the Father, and who actually was made visible, was revealed to us his followers. He's talking about the Mount Transfiguration. So he's saying we saw him, we touched him. And, and so I'm, we're speaking from firsthand information. We're speaking from firsthand experience. I'm testifying to you. He's testifying about uh, what? His truth. He's testifying about his fellowship. He's testifying where he'd been, what he experienced, what he knew. And I don't know about you, but I want to learn from a man like that. I don't want to just teach you from, from just head knowledge. I just don't want to teach you from their information. I want to be able to teach you from my personal relationship. And I'll tell you, I, I, I've seen him. I've heard him. I know him. And I want to know him more. 
John is telling them, he's saying, I've experienced this. Now get a hold of this. Verse 3. What we have seen and ourselves heard, we're also telling you so we can brag about it. No. (laughs) What we have seen and ourselves heard, we're also telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. Meaning we can't keep this to ourselves. We saw it, we tasted it, we touched it, and we testifying to you because we want you to realize and we want you to, I want you to know the same fellowship that I have, I want you to have. Wow. Now get this. Hallelujah. That you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. Now get this. And this fellowship that we have, and I love how the Amplified says, which we have which is the distinguishing mark of a Christian. (laughs) See, your label Christian is not what distinguishes you. What makes you distinguished is your fellowship. And this fellowship that we have, which is the distinguishing mark of a Christian, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Wow, hallelujah. Oh, Father, I thank you for fellowship. I thank you for fellowship. Oh, Father, I thank you that we step out of just a just relationship in name only, but that as we, as your church, as your body, as heritage of faith, those here tonight, those watching by way of internet, I thank you, Lord, that we step into fellowship that we hunger for fellowship, that we would be occupied with the truth, that we would be occupied with fellowship. Lord, I thank you for a hunger being birthed in this house and a hunger being birthed in every believer by the sound of my voice. Oh, church, he wants us to fellowship with him. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to walk. He wants to walk. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to be occupied with him. And not be preoccupied by everything else around us. Hallelujah. Just out of your heart. Just out of your heart. Express to the Lord your desire for deeper fellowship. Just right where you are. Hallelujah. Father, I desire a greater level of fellowship. I thank you for a greater level of fellowship in my life, Father. That I would not be settled for, I would not settle for being preoccupied by all that the world has to offer, but I'd be occupied with fellowship with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I hunger and thirst after you, Father.
Father, I thank you. As we close out tonight, I thank you for a work that you have begun in us. That, you, you, that, that, have, that has continued tonight. And that will continue long after we leave this place. That it will be said of us, just like John was writing to Gaius, that they testify of those of heritage of faith that they are walking in the truth. Lord, help us to make course corrections, adjustments. Help us to create margin in our lives. Margin. Help us to create margin in our lives. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you receive this tonight? Such a sweet presence here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just, God's doing things. God's doing something in this house, in each one of us. I believe he's making us ready for the things that we're about to see and the things that we're about to be a part of. Because revival is really, revival is response of hunger. You know, I know I've been talking, revival is about transformation. Ultimately, revival is really a response to hunger. Amen? Mm, make us hungry, Father. Make us hungry. Oh, just give him a shout of praise for his word. Thank you, Father. Make us hungry, Father. Make us hungry, Father. Oh, we hunger for you. We hunger for you, Father. Hunger for all that you want to do in the earth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.